We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Away we go, episode 169 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, October 19th, 2021, the day after Rod Rivera, at his day after the game Zoom press conference, said, and I quote, if I have to approach it differently, then I will, end quote. We're about to get a different approach from Rod Rivera to his struggling Washington football team defense. Is Ron as sick, as fed up with this defense as the rest of us are? Is Don Ron about to shake things up? Hello and welcome to another installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. sports podcast that's with you each weekday by 5 a.m. There's a lot to get to from Ron Rivera's day after the game Zoom press conference off the 31-13 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, including Ron talking about changing his approach. What exactly did he mean? I'll get into that next segment. Also, Ron strongly stood by Taylor Heineke as Washington's starting quarterback, despite all Tay-Tay's recent struggles. I'll discuss that as well as uh, whether Tay-Tay has lost his mojo. Uh, I want to get into the latest on playing times for Washington defensive players, including Chase Young's playing time continuing to go down. Ron had some comments on Landon Collins that are worth exploring. And we have even more on the mess. That was the honoring of Sean Taylor by the Washington football team on Sunday to get into. This mess has uh, gotten even messier, if you can believe that. The whole situation is like a nightmare uh, that will not end. I'll talk some Nationals as well, as they officially have a new hitting coach in Darnell Coles. But again, uh, why is Kevin Long gone uh, into the National League East rival Philadelphia Phillies? You can tweet me 
at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich of the Washington football team's loss to the Chiefs. Writes Rich, when Tressway had a great punt on the first possession and pinned the Chiefs deep, I thought, nice punt, Tress. Those other guys are really going to rack up some yards now. Uh, it didn't take long for a second string tight end to beat Landon Collins deep. Is it too soon to talk about our draft position? Uh, no, Rich, in these parts, it's never too early to talk about draft position. But if the NFL draft was today, Washington would only have the 11th overall pick. You see, this is where Washington's tough schedule hurts the team even more because strength of schedule is the number one tiebreaker for draft order in the NFL draft. I read to you directly from the NFL, quote, in situations where teams finish the previous season with identical records, the determination of draft position is decided by strength of schedule. The aggregate winning percentage of a team's opponents, the team that played the schedule with the lowest winning percentage, will be awarded the higher pick and quote, Washington right now has a particularly high opponent's aggregate winning percentage. So Washington right now would only have the number 11 pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Email from Jerry Moore on Washington's 2021 offseason, something that I hit on on Monday's show, episode 168. Writes Jerry, can we now say the offseason was a total bust? Uh, Curtis Samuel, William Jackson, the 19th pick, etc., all totally worthless. Well, Jerry, what you can say is that right now, Washington's 2021 offseason looks like a flop. Uh, The top three free agent signings, William Jackson III, Curtis Samuel, and Ryan Fitzpatrick have all been whiffs due to injury or ineffectiveness. In the case of Jackson, it's ineffectiveness. In the cases of Samuel and Fitzpatrick, it's injury. Uh, Jamin Davis so far has been underwhelming. The offseason hits really are who? Samuel Cosme, Ricky Seals-Jones, DeAndre Carter, but I mean, Seals-Jones and Carter are modest hits at best. Like, those guys aren't setting the world on fire. They've just made some plays. Cosme has been good, and he may actually be a Washington second-round pick who works out. Imagine that. Uh, But as things stand right now, Washington's 2021 offseason was a bust. Uh, That can change, but right now, at this precise moment in time, Washington's 2021 offseason was a bust. Email from Michael. On Ron Rivera, writes Michael, at what point do you think Rivera's job is in jeopardy? This year? Next year? I'm not sure, but we can't keep sitting here every Sunday watching the same losing team make no changes. Danny Boy needs to get rid of Don Ron Pronto. Wow, Michael. Uh, So this issue of Ron Rivera's job security already is coming up. Look, I would be stunned if Ron got fired after this season for several reasons. A, firing him after just two seasons, given the task that is in front of him and trying to turn this organization around, would be unfair to him and a terrible look for Dan Snyder. B, while we don't know the specifics of Ron's contract, I think it's safe to say that it isn't a two or three year contract. We're probably talking about at least a four year contract, probably a five year contract. And given that he's the head coach in a coach centric approach, we're probably talking about him making $7 million per year. You know, Jay Gruden made $5 million per year, and he had no official role in player personnel. So Dan would almost certainly owe Ron a lot of money were Dan to fire Ron after this season. And see, for all of the talk about Dan being impulsive, uh, and he has been impulsive in the past, he hasn't been impulsive for really more than a decade now in terms of his head coaches. 
You know, Washington has had just three full-time head coaches since the start of the 2010 season. That's it. I mean, plenty of teams have had many more than three full-time head coaches since the start of the 2010 season. But Mike Shanahan was Washington's head coach from 2010 through 2013. Jay Gruden was Washington's head coach from 2014 into 2019. We then had Bill Callahan as interim head coach in 2019. And Ron has been Washington's head coach since January 2020. This idea that Dan Snyder just flippantly fires head coaches, that really hasn't been a thing for a while now. Washington, over Dan's first six years of ownership, had four different full-time head coaches. North Turner, Marty Schottenheimer, Steve Spurrier, and Joe Gibbs. 1999 through 2004, four full-time head coaches over six years. But things have calmed down since then. I mean, yeah, Jim Zorn only lasted as Washington head coach for two seasons, 2008 and 2009. But every other Washington head coach since Spurrier has lasted for at least four seasons. Gibbs, Shanahan, and Gruden. And in the case of Gibbs, he could have lasted for much longer than four seasons had he chosen to last longer than four seasons. Hey, do you need a lawyer? Uh, Do you think that you might need a lawyer? If you have a case, contact Paulson at NACE. Uh, Paulson and NACE handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. The services of Paulson and NACE are available in D.C., Maryland, and West Virginia. Paulson and NACE is a family law firm. The NACEs are DMV through and through, big Washington football team fans. I've known the Naces for more than 25 years. These are good people. These are smart people. And these are successful people. Uh, Paulson and Nace is a law firm that wins. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. You see, not all law firms focusing on medical malpractice, birth injuries, product liability, and other personal injury matters have trial experience. In fact, many law firms have no courtroom experience at all and look to settle such cases without ever presenting them to a jury. A client has limited options for reasonable settlement if he or she is represented by an attorney with limited trial experience. That's where Paulson and Nace comes in. Uh, Founding partner Barry Nace has tried more medical malpractice cases to verdict in Washington, D.C. than any other plaintiff's attorney. If you're looking for a lawyer, ask yourself this. Do you want an attorney who talks about unverified successful cases, or do you want a law firm that has fought the good fight for decades? That's Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, Call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yet you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Make sure that you say, hey, heard about you guys on the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what I got going on. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202 202- 902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours. So we on Monday afternoon had Washington football team head coach Ron Rivera doing his day after the game Zoom press conference. This off Washington falling to two and four with the 31-13 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs 
at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Ron on Monday was much different than Ron the previous Monday when he, during his day after the game Zoom press conference following the loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field, was very combative, very feisty. Uh, Ron on Monday was, you know, not necessarily conciliatory, but he did admit that it may well be time for some things to change. He admitted early in the press conference that it may be time to approach things differently. Take a listen to this exchange with Washington football team insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. When you see things like missed tackles or guys not getting lined up, things that seem more fundamental, what do you attribute that to? And and how do you guys go about fixing that? Well, I think it's a little bit of lack of discipline, which I said last night falls on me. Um, Again, that's something that if if I have to approach it differently, then I will. And, And that's something that's important. All right. So, quote, if I have to approach it differently, then I will, end quote, a different approach. Enough is enough. It's time for a change with the lack of discipline on this bad Washington defense. Now, let's make something clear. Washington's offense was the bigger problem in the loss to the Chiefs, but the defense was far from blameless. And Washington's defense has been much more disappointing than Washington's offense so far this season. If you are among those who feel like Ron has not been fired up enough about Washington's bad defense this season, hasn't been angry enough about Washington's bad defense this season, Monday was music to your ears. Now, personally, I don't get caught up in a head coach not being fired up enough publicly. We have no idea how Ron has been behind the scenes. It may well be that Ron has been MFing everyone in sight about Washington's bad defense for weeks now. But publicly, Ron has been preaching patience and calm and staying the course. And the truth is that these things don't seem to be working with Washington's defense. As I said during Monday's show, episode 168, Washington's defense is six for six this season. Six games for the Washington football team this season. The defense has been bad to some degree in all six games. There's yet to be a game this Washington football team season, in which you can truly say that Washington's defense played well. That is remarkable, given the talent on this defense, given how well the defense played last season, even when factoring in, yes, all of the bad quarterbacks who Washington faced last regular season. But what exactly did Ron mean when he said, quote, if I have to approach it differently, then I will, end quote. More from Ron on Monday, and then you'll hear a follow-up question from Washington football team insider John Keim of ESPN, and then a response, a brief response from Ron. Well, again, I think there are some things that, as far as coaching is concerned, that, you know, there are certain ways to approach it, and maybe I need to change my approach. How so? Well, like I said, it's something that I need to look at. So Don Ron, uh, very short on specifics, but you could tell that he's ready to make some changes, ready to shake things up. Reminds me of the owner of WWE, Vince McMahon, a.k.a. Mr. McMahon, and what he said on Monday Night Raw a little more than four years ago, April 2017. Because it's time to shake things up around here. Yeah, it's time to shake things up around here. It's time to rattle some cages. It's time to shake things up around here. 
Because it's time to shake things up around here. Yes, Vince. Exactly. Now, again, what does shaking things up mean? Does that mean Ron getting in guys' faces more and yelling at those guys? Does shaking things up mean Ron making personnel changes? Maybe, I don't know, letting DeShazer Everett or Jeremy Reeves actually play on a defensive snap this season instead of having Landon Collins out there a ton each game? Uh, Does shaking things up mean schematic changes? We don't know. Ron wouldn't say. But here was Ron on Monday on what led him to this realization that he needs to shake things up. Well, again, just a little bit of concern that we had a couple things that went on. Um, And in terms of, you know, not lining up offsides, not jumping offsides, um, not, uh, you know, uh, we have to tackle better, things like that. Um, But again, I I know part of the tackling is you got to be able to practice in pads and we didn't practice in pads this past week. A lot of it had to do with, again, you know, the injury list. And, and so that's an unfortunate detail. We got we to fix. So two things came up there, the offside penalties and the bad tackling. So with the offside penalties, what Ron was referencing was what happened on the Chiefs' eighth offensive drive. A 10-play, 68-yard drive resulted in Patrick Mahomes' third quarter, second and goal, two-yard shotgun play action, touchdown pass to receiver Tyree Kill. Ensuing extra point gave the Chiefs a 17-13 lead. Eight snap of the drive, Montez Sweat committed a third and 10, five-yard offside penalty. Nine snap of the drive, Chase Young committed a third and five, five-yard offside penalty that was declined because the snap resulted in a Patrick Mahomes 13-yard shotgun completion to receiver Tyreek Hill on a jump pass. And then with the tackling, Washington's tackling in the loss of the Chiefs was horrendous, especially the tackling by corners. William Jackson the third in particular was horrendous in this game. Ron on Monday on trying to improve Washington's tackling as we're already six games into Washington's season. Well, you have to find other ways to be creative to create opportunities to practice tackling. You know, it's, it's one of the hard things that, that you don't get the opportunity to really do. Um, and the last couple of weeks, because of the injuries we've sustained, we've had to slow practices down, and we've actually had to cut some of the periods and create a little bit more walkthroughs so we can get more guys participating when you had the number of injuries we've had to deal with. Um, and so we didn't practice in pads on Wednesday – uh, because we just didn't have enough guys to be able to participate. And the way to get them involved is really to slow down the tempo of practice. Now, you heard Ron mention that Washington did not practice in pads the previous week due to injuries. Get ready to hear about that. Uh, Ron later in his presser got asked about having dealt with being unable to practice in pads in previous seasons as a head coach. Um, we had that several times in Carolina. And what we did was taking certain periods that when you would be normally in pads, um, you would change those into, into um, tempo where the tempo's down, more of a walkthrough, uh, make the walkthroughs longer so the players can go through the plays to make sure they're getting their assignments. Uh, it's more about understanding the assignments than it is actually getting the chance to get the physical rep. And unfortunately, when that happens, though, the, the work in the pads is not as much as it typically is. So that's been kind of hard. And, and you know, um, but we've got to be better than that. Yes, you do. Not being able to practice in pads is not an excuse for Washington's tackling being as bad as it was on Sunday. And the tackling really was bad. Final snap of the first quarter, Kendall Fuller and Jamin Davis failed 
on attempted tackles on a Patrick Mahomes third and four, five-yard shotgun completion to running back Jarek McKinnon. Third quarter, William Jackson the third and Cole Holcomb missed on tackles on a Patrick Mahomes first and 10, 13-yard under center play action boot completion to running back Darrell Williams. Later in the third quarter, William Jackson the third failed on an attempted tackle on a Patrick Mahomes first and 10, nine-yard shotgun play action completion to receiver Tyreek Hill. And on and on I can go. Washington's tackling on Sunday was a joke. And Ron kept bringing up Washington's recent lack of padded practices. It's funny. These Ron Rivera day after the game Zoom press conferences have themes. The theme the previous Monday was, if not for two plays, i.e. Jameis Winston's first two touchdown passes, Washington's defensive performance in the loss to the Saints would have been much better. Uh, The theme on this most recent Monday was Washington's recent lack of padded practices. Later in the press conference, Ron got asked if there's anything that he now regrets about this season, the way that Ron last season came to regret having not conducted a true quarterback competition between Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. And here was Ron's answer, and you'll hear him again bring up Washington's recent lack of padded practices. No, I I think what we're doing is, is we're trying to put these guys in position to have success. I think we're trying to go through what we do and, and, and work with it. Um, the hard part is, again, having to, to regress in terms of the types of practices we've had because of the injuries we've had in the last few weeks. And that, I think, is probably one of the bigger things that has um, kind of set us back a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we've got to create a little bit more of that, uh, of that tempo um, that we have t- traditionally practiced with. And, and, and that's something we've got to get to. Boy, what goes on at these padded practices for Washington? Are players infused with, like, anti-suck serum that prevents them from being bad? Jeez. Uh, What about Washington's players on defense lacking discipline? Uh, This has come up quite a bit, right? Guys not adhering to the scheme. Ron on Monday on whether lack of discipline is the biggest problem for Washington's defense. No, I I think, again, it goes to the maturity of, of understanding, you know, the significance, importance, the urgency, um, and, and realizing, recognizing that these are the things that we have to do in order to get to where we need to be. You know, it, it's the hard part when, when you're dealing with the players that certain things that, you know, if you, if you don't get on it right away, it may fester. And as I said, my approach probably has to be a little bit different. Quote, my approach probably has to be a little bit different. End quote. As Vince said, it's time to shake things up around here. Because it's time to shake things up around here. Yeah. Uh, Some more from Ron on Monday on this notion of changing his approach, of shaking things up. Uh, Did Ron arrive at this conclusion of needing to change his approach due to his previous tactics not working? Well, a little bit of that. I mean, you know, you, you look around, you see how things go and um, we got a little saying that says, you know, what you what you allow is what you accept. And sometimes, you know, the, the response that I have has to be different. What you allow is what you accept. So right there, it did seem as if Ron, in talking about changing his approach, is talking about how he reacts to mistakes. As he just said, quote, sometimes the response that I have has to be different end quote. Look, these are all words, okay? And I think we're getting tired of words. We want actions, positive actions, improved actions, as opposed to the bad defense that we've seen throughout this season so far. It's very troubling to me 
that the defense has been this bad. I've said this. I still believe this. It has felt like there is more going on with this defense than we know. But if Ron taking a different approach, if Ron shaking things up is what's required to get this defense to be better, then by all means do it. Uh, Why this has to be done in the first place is concerning. Why this hasn't already been done is a question worth exploring. But, you know, Washington is two and four and has 11 games left in its regular season. And as much as it may feel like Washington's season is over, the truth is that Washington's season is not over. And it's still very hard for me to believe that this defense is truly this bad. Well, something else that's hard to believe is you accepting someone doing a bad job of taking care of your lawn. Don't accept that. You don't deserve that. If you're not satisfied with who is currently taking care of your lawn, or if you don't have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn. Weedman cares for your lawn, so you don't have to. And Weedman is offering a great deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Weedman answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman does what it says it's going to do. Weedman's products are of the highest quality, the best weed control, state certified seed. Weedman's secret sauce is the fertilizer. All of Weedman's organic based fertilizer applications feature 65% super slow release nitrogen that feeds your roots slowly and effectively. You see, Weedman has a mastery of the science behind a great lawn. And so here's a special deal, a fall tune-up at a great price. A beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall. And so Weedman is offering to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. That's 30% off the usual price for those services. That price is a steal. It applies to lawns of up to 6,000 square feet. So here's what you do. Call 571 340 3400. When you call, make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so you get the special deal. Again, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. Again, a 30% discount of the usual price for those services. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so you get the special deal. I want you to get that deal. Uh, you could also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. Next segment, I'll get back to discussing the Washington football team's defense off comments from Ron Rivera at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon. But right now, what Ron had to say on Monday regarding Washington's quarterback situation of the 31-13 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. So Taylor Heineke was bad for a second consecutive game and for the third time in four games. It's true that Taylor was not helped out nearly enough by his pass catchers, but he himself was not good. He threw for just 182 yards on 39 pass attempts. That works out to just 4.67 yards per pass attempt. Taylor did this against the Chiefs defense that through week five of the season, it was dead last in the NFL in total defense for football outsiders DVOA metric and was 31st out of 32 NFL teams in pass defense for DVOA. And Taylor did this against a bad Chiefs defense that was missing two key players due to injury. And edge rusher Chris Jones 
and corner Charvarius Ward. Uh, Taylor's total QBR per ESPN for the game was just 28.0. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. 28.0 is not good. Uh, Rod Rivera on Monday on whether he has considered making the switch to Kyle Allen as Washington's starting quarterback. No, I was, I've been very confident in what we've done with, uh, with Taylor. Um, I, I know last week he had, he had his moments this week. The same thing can be said, um, you know, and not every week's going to be as productive as, as people want it to be, as we want it to be. So we'll just have to see and we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Yes, we will. But how about that? Ron Rivera very much standing by Taylor Heineke as Washington's starting quarterback. Now, maybe that's more of a public thing than it is a true reflection of what Ron is thinking. But if we just go off of what Ron has been saying, he is very much standing by Taylor as Washington's QB1. You know, it's funny with Kyle Allen because on the one hand, Ron did trade a fifth-round pick in the 2020 NFL Draft to the Carolina Panthers for Kyle. And Ron, on the Wednesday before Washington's Week 17 win, at the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football to clinch the NFC East last season, did say that Kyle would have had Washington in the same position as Alex Smith had Washington had Kyle not gotten injured. But Ron also excluded Kyle from the quarterback competition talk this past June. Ron, this past June 10th, in his final post-practice press conference of Washington's mandatory minicamp, responded to an open-ended question about the quarterback play in minicamp by praising Ryan Fitzpatrick, adamantly praising Taylor Heineke, including calling him, quote, an extremely accurate passer, end quote, talking up the quarterback competition and not even mentioning Kyle Allen. And then Ron, this past June 16th in a conversation with Washington football team insider Ben Standing of the Athletic DC, when asked about which player Ron was most interested in seeing at training camp, from both Ron's perspective as Washington's head coach and as Washington's head of football operations, completely froze out Kyle Allen. Quote, first and foremost, the most obvious person we're going to look at is going to be our quarterback position. And there's two people that we're going to be watching closely. Both Ryan and Taylor are two guys that are very valuable, very important to us going forward. End quote. So when people say, well, Ron really loves Kyle Allen, uh, yes and no. Last season, yes. Uh, this year, not so much. Now, Sunday's loss to the Chiefs was just Taylor Heineke's sixth start regular season and postseason as a Washington quarterback, was just his seventh NFL start overall. Run on Monday on whether Taylor Heineke's recent struggles are more due to him hitting his ceiling or just due to him still being inexperienced as an NFL quarterback. Well, to me, it's part of the growth because when you watch some of the things that happen in this game, you, you almost wish he might have stayed on a guy a little bit longer or he might have got off a guy a little bit sooner. And, and I think those are things that he would handle or he will handle when once he gets a little bit more experience. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, going through your progression at a certain pace is dictated on what you're reading as you go through it. Uh, he might see something that happens just prior to the snap that might tell him, hey, I can stay on my number one a little bit longer. I might have to go from one to two a lot sooner. So that was an interesting answer from Ron. And what the answer really spoke to was that which had been Taylor Heineke's biggest strength, his processing speed. One thing that had been apparent about Taylor was that he was great at processing 
where to go with the football. He has not been great at that in recent games. He has made some bad decisions. He has been late on throws. You heard Ron right there outline some of the troubles for Taylor in the loss to the Chiefs. It may be that defenses are figuring some things out about Taylor. It may also be that this is just who Taylor is as an NFL quarterback, that he just isn't that good. But I would throw two other things into the mix. One, Washington's offense is severely undermanned right now. Logan Thomas is on the reserve injured list due to a hamstring injury. Curtis Samuel was inactive for this game against the Chiefs due to his nagging groin injury. Cam Sims was inactive for a second consecutive game due to a hamstring injury. Samuel Cosme was inactive for this game against the Chiefs due to an ankle injury. Brandon Sheriff was inactive for a second consecutive game due to a knee injury. Antonio Gibson, who already was listed as questionable for Sunday due to the shin ailment that involves a stress fracture, aggravated the shin early in the second quarter and only ended up playing on 39% of Washington's offensive snaps and the loss to the Chiefs. The second thing is this, Taylor Heineke seems to have lost some of his mojo. Uh, He's not running like he had been. He and the loss to the Chiefs had zero rushing attempts. And while Taylor did have a good number of carries in each of the previous three games, we do know that Taylor was told by Washington to not run so much and to avoid injury at all costs. Uh, Taylor has hinted at this at some of his recent Wednesday post-practice press conferences. But Taylor's collegiate head coach, former Old Dominion head coach Bobby Wilder, in his appearance on this podcast on episode 160, told us that uh, Taylor got a talking to. Here was what Coach Wilder said on this podcast. Oh, he is definitely not the same runner he was in college and, and not the same runner he was against Tampa Bay. You know, he's he's been told in a very direct manner um and privately he's been he's been told in a in a very direct manner now publicly i know they're you know they're trying to say hey we just want to protect him this and that but privately he's he's been told look um you know fitz is out right now uh we can't lose you to a five-yard game where you don't slide and they're They've really done a good job of getting him out to understand the big picture right now. And the big picture is, you know, we need you to be healthy and continue to grow and get better. So they've they've pointed out from a big picture standpoint that a five yard game isn't worth losing you for five games. That's that's the math they've done with him in his head. And and he's he's learning from it. He's trying to adjust out. Yeah, so some very good insight there from Bobby Wilder on this podcast. And understand, Coach Wilder still regularly communicates with Taylor Heineke. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday on Taylor having not run much in the loss to the Chiefs. I think this is the way things are going, but, you know, that's something we have to sit down and talk with Taylor about. You know, is, is he trying too much to stay in the pocket? too much to go through the progressions instead of being a little creative at times. So again, it's, it's, you know, it, it is part of his game and, and, and believe me, we don't want to take that away from who he is. I mean, he's an exciting dynamic player um, who has, you know, done things with his legs. Uh, one thing we don't want is we don't want him to take the shot so that he has taken in the past. Yeah, there is a fine line that Ron and Scott Turner are trying to walk with Taylor Heineke right now. You don't want him getting hurt, and given his substantial injury history, it is a credit to all involved that Taylor has yet to get hurt this season, knock on wood, but you also don't want to zap Taylor 
of maybe his biggest strength, his mobility. And given his recent poor play and given that some of that Taylor Heineke mojo does seem to have been lost, you wonder if he has toned things down a bit too much. Up next, we'll get back to discussing the Washington football team's defense, including the continued decline of playing time for Chase Young and some notable comments from Ron Rivera on Landon Collins and Jamin Davis. Washington football team season is in full swing, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Washington football team tickets. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only ticket site that you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. This allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. Don't believe this? Look, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And so if you're looking to watch Washington live this season, take on, say, Tom Brady and the Bucks at FedEx on November 14th, or are wanting to travel to watch Washington play at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on October 24th, or at Derek Carr and the Raiders on December 5th and a trip to Vegas, or you want to hit up the late season division games, TickPick has you covered. Again, TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of its NFL tickets, no more of those ridiculous service fees. So here's what you do. Visit TickPick.com slash Galdi right now and use the promo code Galdi to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash Galdi and use the promo code Galdi. TickPick.com slash Galdi and make sure that you use the promo code Galdi. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, more now on the Washington football team off the 31-13 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Let's get into some playing time observations with Washington's defense. So the decline in Chase Young's playing time continues. This really is something else. Chase Young on Sunday played on just 74% of Washington's defensive snaps, a season low for him in terms of percentage 
of Washington's defensive snaps. Chase Young's playing time percentages from weeks one through five were 86, 91, 89, 80, and 79%. And then this past Sunday, he was down to 74%. So Chase Young's playing time percentage has declined in each of the last four games and every game beginning with the week three loss at the Buffalo Bills. Chase Young, to me, has been better these last few weeks, but he clearly still isn't killing it. You know, he still has not had a game that just like blows you away in terms of his impact. He still has not had a game like he had last season in the win over the San Francisco 49ers in Arizona in week 14. Chase Young was outstanding in that game. I, in fact, labeled that game the Chase Young game. He was dominant. I mean, Chase Young in that game legitimately had one of the greatest individual performances in Washington history. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Chase Young in that game had a 47-yard fumble return for a touchdown, a forced fumble, a sack, two quarterback hits, two pass defenses. He, per pro football focus, also had the best coverage grade among all coverage grades for Washington defensive players in that game. Chase, so far this season, has not come close to having a game like that game. And at least for me, it has become impossible to ignore that Chase Young's playing time keeps going down in terms of percentage of defensive snaps. I don't know if this is like punishment for Chase for not adhering to Washington's defensive scheme. I don't know if this is because Chase is dealing with an injury that we're not aware of. I don't know if this is just Ron Rivera and or Jack Del Rio feeling like less is more with Chase. But when I talk about stuff going on with Washington struggling defense that we're not being told about and that, quite frankly, isn't being talked about, this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about. And I keep bringing this up, and I feel like I'm the only person bringing this up. Chase Young's playing time keeps going down. Does that seem right to you? Does that seem normal to you? Because it doesn't to me. Uh, Montez Sweat in the loss to the Chiefs played on just 71% of Washington's defensive snaps. Uh, Montez, interestingly, has not been playing as much as you might think. Montez's playing time percentages from weeks one through five were 65, 88, 70, 79, and 68%. And again, he was at 71% in the loss to the Chiefs on Sunday. Uh, As for the rest of Washington's edge rushers, James Smith-Williams on Sunday played on 28% of Washington's defensive snaps. Casey Tuhill on Sunday played on 13% of Washington's defensive snaps. And Shaka Tony on Sunday was active for the first time this season. He played on 13% of Washington's defensive snaps. So Washington is very much rotating these edge rushers. But when you have two guys as gifted as Chase Young and Montez Sweat are, to me, it's like you lean on those guys as much as you can lean on those guys. Uh, Interior defensive linemen, not a single one of them played on 70% of Washington's defensive snaps on Sunday. Jonathan Allen played on 67% of Washington's defensive snaps. Deron Payne, 65%. Matt Ioannidis, just 45%. Tim Settle, 24%. Linebackers. So Washington, of course, is without John Bostic. He was placed on the reserve injured list on October 5th due to a torn pectoral muscle that was suffered in the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. Cole Holcomb in the loss to the Chiefs played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps. He's doing that basically game in, game out this season. Jamin Davis in the loss to the Chiefs did play on 56% 
of Washington's defensive snaps. That's notable because, as you may recall, Jamin in a loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field in Week 5 played on just 23% of Washington's defensive snaps. We wondered how much of that was game plan specific versus how much of that was truly an indictment of Jamin. I mean, honestly, it was at least a little bit of both because even if you say, well, that was game plan specific, okay, but what does it say that your game plan uh, only includes your number 19 overall pick playing on just 23% of your defensive snaps, but Jamin was out there much more on Sunday and seemed to have some good moments. I don't want to overstate things because Jamin was a part of some of the bad tackling by Washington, Uh, but if you recall, Jack Del Rio at his post-practice press conference this past Thursday said that he wanted to see Jamin cut it loose more, uh, wanted to see Jamin stop thinking so much and just start playing, and we perhaps saw Jamin do a better job in that regard on Sunday. Jamin on Sunday led Washington with 11 tackles. Uh, Ron Rivera at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon on Jamin's performance in the loss to the Chiefs. Well, I think he's gotten progressively better the last few weeks. Um, you know, his snaps were up obviously this week. He was very productive. Um, he played downhill several times. A couple of times he still worked a little laterally when we wanted him to get downhill, but I, I think he is showing um, signs of a of, of, of what we believe he can be. And, and that's a downhill guy that can run. I mean, there were a couple of plays that he really showed his, uh, his ability to chase uh, and get after players. I, I thought one of the times when he got to uh, Patrick Mahomes really showed his ability to close the distance. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that Jamin Davis was drafted to do. He has these amazing athletic gifts. Use them. Take advantage of them. And hopefully we're starting to see more of that. Uh, Kalik Hudson, by the way, on Sunday played on 10% of Washington's defensive snaps. And then there is Washington's secondary, which remains a major problem. Uh, Washington on Sunday got shredded by Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. You know, this talk of Washington's defense having played so well in the first half, it's all relative, man. Mahomes in the first half threw for 222 yards. So yes, Washington did lead at the half 13-10. And yes, Washington did generate three second quarter takeaways. But understand, Patrick Mahomes in the first half on Sunday threw for 222 yards. He, for the game, went 32 of 47 for 397 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. He was sacked three times. He had three carries for 31 yards. In terms of playing time for Washington corners on Sunday, William Jackson III, who was not good, played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps. Kendall Fuller played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps. Benjamin St. Juice played on 49% of Washington's defensive snaps. That stands out because St. Juice, in the loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field in Week 5, and his return from a one-game absence caused by a concussion, only played on 21% of Washington's defensive snaps. So St. Juice's playing time was back up. And then it's safety. So Bobby McCain and Cameron Curl on Sunday each played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps. Landon Collins on Sunday played on 83% of Washington's defensive snaps. This off Landon having played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps in each of the previous two games. Landon's playing time percentages have been all over the place this season. Uh, The percentages declined in weeks two and three. Uh, Landon's playing time percentages weeks one through three were 80, 75, and 58%. He then, though, in weeks four and five, played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps. And then in this loss to the Chiefs on Sunday, his playing time percentage was down 
to 83%. Look, Landon's playing time this season has been all over the place. Landon's play this season has not been all over the place. His play this season has not been good, okay? We all get that. Landon Collins' overall grade for the season for Pro Football Focus is just 48.7. The PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Landon's overall grade for the season, 48. Now, something that I think we all would agree on with Landon and something that we all have known for a while with Landon is that Landon is at his best in the box. Whenever Landon is in pass coverage, things seemingly do not go well. We saw that on Sunday. Uh, And this thing about Landon being at his best in the box, this was a big thing when Washington signed him as an unrestricted free agent to that mega money contract in March 2019. He does his best work as a strong safety, not as a free safety, not in pass coverage. And yet Landon, for pro football focus, isn't playing exclusively as a box safety. Landon, for PFF, in the loss to the Chiefs, was only used as a box safety on 44% of his defensive snaps. I mean, seems to me that percentage should be closer to, I don't know, 100%. Ron Rivera on Monday on Landon Collins? Well, uh, I think with him, it's it's a lot of how he fits into what we're doing. And that's why I think we, we've moved him down into the box. We believe that that's probably where he can really use his strengths. I mean, this is about putting a guy in position to have success. Yes, it is. I don't get why you don't have Landon Collins in the box on pretty much every one of his defensive snaps, assuming that you're insisting on playing Landon Collins. And that's another thing. DeShazer Everett on Sunday did not play on any of Washington's defensive snaps for the sixth time in as many games this season. Jeremy Reeves has been lingering on Washington's practice squad throughout this season. Those two guys did nice jobs for Washington at safety last season. Why is it such an impossibility for either guy to play this season with Washington's secondary being as bad as it has been? I just do not get that. One more item on the Washington football team on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast, and that item is the latest in the debacle, the mess, the embarrassment that was the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21 on Sunday. Look, I don't want to have to keep talking about this. I'm kind of sick of talking about this already, but this is a really big deal because this was such a screw up, and this speaks to so many of the larger problems with the team. Whether Washington not announcing that Sean's number 21 was going to be retired this past Sunday until this past Thursday morning was an honest mistake or the result of the team deciding only last week to retire Sean's number 21 as a cheap publicity ploy to distract from all of the negative stories out there relating to the team. We still do not know. We may never know. But you know what? It almost doesn't matter. Because here's what we now know. The Washington football team on Sunday in the execution of honoring Sean made things even worse. So many of the things that have come out over the last 48 hours about how Sean was quote unquote honored on Sunday have made the team look worse, not better. And not that the team went out of its way to improperly honor Sean, but it's just that the team was so sloppy in the execution of honoring Sean. You start with something that I talked about on Monday's show, episode 168, and I still cannot believe that this actually happened. 
But Washington on Sunday staged a photo op for Sean Taylor's family outside of FedEx Field in front of a bunch of portable toilets. Yes, that happened. The photo is all over Twitter. Washington formally commemorated the renaming of the road leading to FedEx Field as Sean Taylor Road. A photo op in honor of that was conducted in front of a bunch of portable toilets outside of FedEx Field. You also have the Jackson Mahomes situation. Are you aware of this? Uh, So Washington on Sunday had family and acquaintances of Kansas City Chiefs players standing in an area near the field that included a painted number 21 on the turf. This resulted in Jackson Mahomes, the brother of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, doing a TikTok dance on the painted number 21. Jackson Mahomes on Twitter on Sunday night apologized for the dance, saying, quote, I want to sincerely apologize for accidentally being on the Sean Taylor number 21 at FedEx Field. We were directed to stand in that area, and I meant absolutely no disrespect to him or his family, end quote. So the Washington football team apparently didn't think, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have people standing on this painted number 21, at least according to Jackson Mahomes, and not that his word is gospel, okay, but at least according to Jackson Mahomes, he and uh, other Chiefs VIPs were directed to stand on the Sean Taylor number 21 at FedEx Field. And then there's also this. So Washington football team president Jason Wright in his apology president's brief column that came out last Thursday night said that the team would engage fans on ways to celebrate Sean Taylor's legacy. One way was a tribute area outside the main entrance of FedEx Field. It was at this tribute area that fans could leave flowers and notes. Okay, kind of a nice thing, right? However, according to Washington football team insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, quote, there did not appear to be any communication of the area to fans before the morning of the game. And an hour before kickoff, there was a lone bouquet of roses on the patch of grass, end quote. So you have this tribute area for Sean Taylor. And because the tribute area was barely communicated to anyone, you had this pathetic scene an hour before kickoff of one bouquet of roses on the patch of grass that was, or at least was a part of, the tribute area. You know, it would be one thing if Washington had butchered the announcing of Sean's number 21 being retired, but at least did things on Sunday in a super effective, highly impactful, first-class way. Instead, we had a photo op in front of portable toilets, We had Patrick Mahomes' brother doing a TikTok dance on the painted number 21. And we had basically nobody knowing or caring about a Sean Taylor tribute area outside the main entrance of FedEx Field. All of this starts with Dan Snyder. There's no question about that. But you're being naive and you're being very forgiving of Jason Wright if you don't think that at least some of this 
falls on him. I don't get this thing by some people of just like absolving Jason Wright of any blame of what went on with this debacle that ended up being the honoring, quote unquote, of Sean Taylor on Sunday. A screw up of this magnitude isn't just about one person. And I don't know about you, but this does make me look at Jason Wright at least somewhat differently. Like, I don't think that he's some buffoon all of a sudden, but I think this thing of, you know, a halo being over his head and everything he does is so perfect and he can do no wrong, that's gone, okay? That's over. Again, it all starts with the Danny, okay? Let's make that crystal clear. This all starts with Dan Snyder. But these details that clearly were not ironed out for Sunday, this sloppiness that was in effect on Sunday, this does speak to Jason Wright and his staff. Jason Wright was Jason wrong in this quote-unquote honoring of Sean Taylor on Sunday. And I go back to this. If these people couldn't get something as seemingly simple as honoring Sean Taylor right, as retiring Sean Taylor's number 21 right, what makes you think that they're going to get the name change right? I mean, retiring Sean's number 21 is simple arithmetic as compared to the advanced calculus that is the name change, which includes, right, the name, the logo, the rollout of those things, etc. If you couldn't get retiring Sean's number 21 right, how in the world are you going to get the name change right? And think about this too. And maybe the ultimate cherry on top of this Sunday, what happened in the second half of the Washington football team's 31-13 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon? Washington got outscored in the second half 21-0. How about that? On the day on which you retire Sean Taylor's number 21, in a very unfortunate fashion, you get outscored in the second half, 21-0. That seems perfect for what went down. All right, we did have some Nationals news on Monday. They announced the hiring of Darnell Coles as hitting coach. Uh, He replaces Kevin Long who has left the Nats to become the Philadelphia Phillies hitting coach. So Darnell Coles actually has worked for the Nats. He worked for the Nats from 2006 through 2009 in various roles in the team's minor league system. He was a hitting instructor in 2006. He was the manager for short season single-A Vermont in 2007. He was the manager for single-A Hagerstown in 2008, and he was a hitting coach for AAA Syracuse in 2009. Darnell Coles has been a major league hitting coach for years. He was the Arizona Diamondbacks hitting coach the last three seasons, 2019 through 2021. He was a hitting coach for the Milwaukee Brewers from 2015 through 2018. Uh, Coles was the hitting coach for a 2019 Diamondbacks team that matched a club record with 220 home runs. And Darnell Coles knows Davey Martinez. Uh, Darnell Coles was a teammate of Davey on the 1992 Cincinnati Reds. And Darnell Coles was a member of the 1993 World Series champion 
Toronto Blue Jays. Said Davey in a press release put out by the Nats, quote, we are very excited to add Darnell Coles as our hitting coach. We align on hitting philosophy, process, and focusing on the here and now. He's not only an outstanding hitting coach, but a great baseball man. Darnell has a great rapport with both veterans and young players and brings a thorough understanding of the analytics that we would like to incorporate end quote. There's that magic word that you know I love to hear, and sometimes I wonder if the Nationals just use this word as lip service to placate people like me. But yes, uh, Davey did make mention of analytics in something he 100% certainly said out loud and didn't have typed up for him by someone in the Nationals Media Relations Department. Anyway, I'm sure that Darnell Coles is a swell guy, and maybe he ends up doing a great job for the Nats. I'm certainly open to that. But the Nats had themselves one of the more respected hitting coaches in the majors in Kevin Long, didn't want to give him a multi-year contract, and now he has joined the National League East rival Phillies. Uh, Kevin Long was the Nats hitting coach for four seasons, 2018 through 2021. He was invited back by the Nats to be their hitting coach for the 2022 season, and maybe the Nats didn't truly want Long back and didn't give him the contract that he was seeking But it does seem unlikely that the Nats didn't truly want Long back, A, given how well the Nats hit after the late July sell-off, and B, how much Juan Soto is a fan of Kevin Long. Uh, Also, remember that things did get weird between the Nats and Kevin Long last offseason. Kevin Long wanted a multi-year contract. The Nats told him that he could see if he could get a multi-year contract from another team. It was actually reported that Kevin Long was out as Nats hitting coach, but he then ended up returning as Nats hitting coach on a one-year contract. And again, the Nationals offense actually ended up being rather impressive in the 2021 regular season. And that was after the late July sell-off. That was after the likes of Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber and Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes were dealt away. By the way, how about old Schwarby? A grand slam in the Boston Red Sox's 12-3 pummeling of ex-Nats manager Dusty Baker and his Houston Astros in Game 3 of the American League Championship Series on Monday night. Red Sox now with a 2-1 lead in that series. The Red Sox are just killing teams this postseason. The Red Sox now the first team in Major League history to hit three grand slams in a playoff series. But yeah, the Nationals offense ended up being really good in the 2021 season. The Nats pitching was the biggest problem by far in terms of the Nats losing 97 games this past regular season. The hitting really didn't end up being an issue. And Kevin Long is gone. And look, hitting coaches come and go And hitting is about players. It's not about hitting coaches. I totally get that. But I just think about, all right, Kevin Long, very good reputation. He's known as a launch angle guru. He is loved by Juan Soto. Kevin Long is the guy who transformed Daniel Murphy. Kevin Long is a guy who lasted in the city of New York, the cauldron that is New York, for more than a decade as a hitting coach. He was a New York Yankees hitting coach from 2007 through 2014, helped the Yankees win the World Series in 2009. Long then was the New York Mets hitting coach from 2015 through 2017, helped the Mets win the National League pennant in 2015, comes to the Nats, helps the Nats win the World Series in 2019, wants a multi-year contract. The learners do their usual learners thing of playing hardball, and Kevin Long ends up bolting for the National League East rival Phillies. I don't know. That doesn't seem ideal to me. 
Again, Darnell Coles may do an awesome job as Nats inning coach, but I think if you're a Nats fan, you do have to wonder about, geez, did we really have to lose Kevin Long and lose him to a division rival? All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 170, will feature not one, but two special guests. Pro Football Focus senior data analyst Nick Ackridge will join me to talk Washington football team. He's a big Washington football team fan. We will do a deep dive on what the pro football focus grades and analysis have to say about what's going on with the Washington football team. Also, Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington will join me to preview the Wizards season. Their regular season opener is on Wednesday night at the Toronto Raptors at 7.30. And I'll post-game, the Capitals game, against the Colorado Avalanche at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night at 7. By the way, Alex Ovechkin on Monday was named the NHL's second star for the week ending on October 17th. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Because it's time to shake things up around here.